Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rolo. Since the outset of this program, I have addressed medical ethics primarily in regard to life issues surrounding the beginning and the end of human life. Such concerns are naturally within the purview of families. Husbands and wives, in cooperation with their creator, co-create new life and hence a new family. The culture of life is then fostered in families. The culture of death seeks to destroy the family. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 tells us that it is not good for the man to be alone. So God created man to be male and female, different in appearance but equal in importance. Viewed in isolation, a male body does not make sense. Viewed in isolation, A female body does not make sense. Only when viewed together does the complementarity of man as male and female make sense. We are made in God's image. God is a communion of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Man is made to be a communion of love. Man, woman, and child. In order to see the connection between God and family, we first need to recognize that there is a God and that we are not Him. Those who want to proclaim themselves as their own God with their own truth need to destroy the notion of a transcendent God as well as the family, which was made in his image. On January 16, 2015, while in the Philippines, Pope Francis addressed the importance of families. Here are some excerpts. Just as the gift of the Holy Family was entrusted to St. Joseph, so the gift of the family and its place in God's plan is entrusted to us so we can carry it forward. The angel of the Lord revealed to Joseph the dangers which threatened Jesus and Mary, forcing them to flee to Egypt and then to settle in Nazareth. So too, in our time, God calls upon us to recognize the dangers threatening our own families 
and to protect them from harm. We must be attentive to the new ideological colonization. Pope Francis continued, Beware of the new ideological colonization that tries to destroy the family. It is not born of the dream that we have from God and prayer. It comes from outside, and that's why I call it colonization. Let us not lose the freedom to take forward the mission God has given us, the mission of the family. And just as our peoples were able to say in the past, no, to the period of colonization, as families, we have to be very wise and strong to say no to any attempted ideological colonization that could destroy the family, and to ask the intercession of St. Joseph to know when to say yes and when to say no. The pressures on family life today are many. Our world needs good and strong families to overcome these threats. Every threat to the family is a threat to society itself. The future of humanity as St. John Paul II often said, passes through the family. So protect your families. In reading this text from the address by Pope Francis, I reflected on the fact that one of the many ways that the culture of death is trying to destroy the family is through the perversion of sexuality, the corruption of the very generative act that brings forth the family. Sadly, this perversion is taking place in our public schools and often without the knowledge of parents. Recently, I spoke to Mary Ellen Sigler, Massachusetts mom educator, and organizational leader who is sounding the clarion call regarding the dangers of so-called comprehensive sexuality education in the public schools, which threaten our families and our society. Today I will feature part one of my conversation with Mary Ellen Sigler. Let us first, as always, begin with prayer. For as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops, only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life. O God, through the intercession of St. Joseph, protector of the family, we pray that our children remain in your loving care 
and free from the corrupt influences of the secularization of sexuality, which exists in our public schools. Help our children to understand that sex is not for freedom and fun. Rather, sex is for babies and bonding within the loving sanctuary of husband and wife and the family. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now here is part one of my conversation with Mary Ellen Sigler. With me now is Mary Ellen Sigler. Mary Ellen is the founder of Massachusetts Informed Parents, a statewide grassroots effort to educate parents and communities on critical issues that impact our children's health and well-being, specifically what is being taught to our students through comprehensive sexuality education in our public schools, which is the main focus of our conversation today. Understanding the importance of bringing awareness to issues that impact the stability of the family and the health and success of our children, she seeks to come alongside parents and others to equip them with accurate information and to help them engage effectively to bring about change. She brings years of experience as an organizational leader and educator to this initiative. Mary Ellen has worked as a business manager and has also served in leadership in the homeschooling educational community on various boards as a tutor in classical educational community, as a speech and debate coach, and as an administrator for various educational cooperatives. Her writing has been featured in the New Boston Post and on Homeschool Compass, an online community that provides direction and resources for parent educators. She holds a professional certification as a sexual risk avoidance specialist, which enable her to promote an education approach based on public health model of primary prevention, empowering youth to avoid all the risks of premarital sexual activity. A devout follower of Christ, Mary Ellen works alongside her husband, Bill, serving as a missionary with Chosen People Ministries, bringing the gospel to the unbelieving Jewish community in the greater Boston area. She also serves as Director of Communications and Research for Massachusetts Family Institute, a nonpartisan public policy associate of Focus on the Family, where she works to preserve faith, family, and freedom in the Commonwealth. Mary Ellen's mission is to develop relationships with parents and churches all over the state and to work together with them to protect children from sexualization in public education. Welcome, uh, Mary Ellen. It's very nice to have you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. As I was reading through your bio, I was very um, intrigued by the fact that you are a devout evangelical Christian, and your husband is a Messianic Jew. So I was thinking that that must make for uh, 
a very interesting uh, Holy Week and Passover in your house. Yes, it certainly does. Um, my husband's Jewish roots um, provides a lot of context for everything that we celebrate uh, during Holy Week, and we like to make the joke that between all of the, the biblical holidays and Jewish holidays and the holidays on the Christian calendar, that there is always a holiday happening in the Siegler house. Yeah, well, your, your, your kids must love that, especially, uh, I guess they, um, I was going to say they get time off from school, but I guess uh, that's not really uh, relevant. You do primarily homeschooling, right? Right, right. And with uh, three, three children, is that correct? Well, just one left now. My oldest is in college, and my daughter just graduated this past weekend. So, oh, really? Um, I have one high school student left. He mm -hmm. will be a senior next year. Mm -hmm. Well, so you're um, very busy at home, but also very busy out of the home. And I, I noticed that you, um, as I mentioned in your bio, you're the Director of Communications and Research for Massachusetts Family Institute. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your role and also um, what the um, Massachusetts Family Institute does? Sure. So um, MFI is what we like to, to call Massachusetts Family Institute. MFI is a public policy organization, nonprofit organization. We monitor policy and legislation in Massachusetts that threatens faith, family, and freedom. So we do a lot by way of supporting pastors and supporting uh, Christians in general and helping them defend their religious liberty and their parental rights. We do a lot in the field of education as well. So in my job capacity with MFI as the Director of Communications and Research, I am responsible for a lot of our communications, so um, our messaging, our social media accounts, and just communicating with our supporters, the things that we are up to and busy doing. And then I also do quite a bit of research on the issues that we are engaged on. Mm -hmm. So um, pro-life issues and uh, particularly around education, that's really my area of expertise mm -hmm. as an educator. So I do quite a bit of research um, in education. Yes, and uh, MFI does a lot of great work. I've, I've worked with MFI off and on over the years really you've been around now for what is it? it's more than 25 years we actually are celebrating 30 years this year yes so three decades almost a, an entire generation <laughs> yeah. it's great to know you're out there because um, lord knows the family is always under attack and i know that uh, you and mfi do a lot of work to try to um, protect the family you're also the founder of Massachusetts Informed Parents, uh, as I mentioned in your bio. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure. So Massachusetts Informed Parents was established about two years ago, and it came about as I was researching issues in public education, particularly around the sexualization of children in education. Mm -hmm. And the more I discovered, the more alarmed I became, yes. and I thought, surely parents do not know what's going on because right. it just seemed like I wasn't hearing a lot from parents even about some of, um, you know, the concerning things happening in the schools. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, 
we need some kind of platform to get more specific and, and deeper research out to parents specifically mm-hmm. to equip them to protect their children in right. school. So that was um, kind of what was behind establishing Massachusetts Informed Parents. So I established a Facebook presence and the group grew very quickly. Mm-hmm. I was posting all of the things that I was discovering in Massachusetts schools. Mm. Um, I was posting it there and just um, creating a robust file section of the group mm-hmm. with, uh, that included resources for parents, um, evaluations of curricula, opt-out letters, um, just advice for how to address issues with your school officials. So, And it was really resonating with parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started doing parent information forums as a result of that grassroots effort with, uh, with Massachusetts Informed Parents. And so I started doing meetings um, throughout the state with groups of parents in churches and libraries. And um, that that effort was really growing. And then COVID hit, and so yeah. we couldn't meet as mm-hmm. much um, in person, but I continue to do things online and over Zoom. And um, so it has really grown um, to a group that's now well over 4,000 parents that's across terrific. the state. That's but um, also as a result of that effort, there have been many Massachusetts informed parents, if you will, popping up in different school districts. So Mm -hmm. groups of parents getting together and forming their own coalitions where they are meeting regularly to address the issues that are concerning them in their local schools. So I just could not really have imagined how quickly it would have grown and how much it would it would have resonated so you know parents continue to tell me that they're just so thankful for the group Mm -hmm. they would not have known what was really happening had it not been for stumbling upon massachusetts informed parents well that's, that's fantastic and much needed and before we go any further can you mention a website or other ways that uh our listeners can get in touch Sure. So if they go to Massachusetts Informed Parents on Facebook, they Mm -hmm. should be able to find the group there. They can request. It has a public view so everybody can see it, but you cannot post and interact in the group unless you are a member. Mm -hmm. So there are membership questions that they can fill out and Mm -hmm. submit a request to be a member. And I review those requests regularly. Mm -hmm. And then I can also be reached at massinformedparents at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. massinformedparents at gmail.com. We hope to launch a website sometime in the next year as well. Um, But right now we are primarily a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Good. And uh, while we're on the topic of getting more information, what about uh, Massachusetts Family Institute? Um, How would people get in touch there? Yeah, so I would invite people to visit our website, mafamily.org, mm-hmm. and there is a contact us form right there on the website. You can fill out your contact information and get on our mailing list, and we will keep you informed of any news that's important to you, um, the, you know, the issues that are important to you that include parenting issues, Mm -hmm. uh, religious liberty issues, life issues. So, you know, these are the things that we are addressing in the public square. So you definitely want to get on our mailing list. um, And so we can keep you posted. Yeah. And as I said, it's it's, um, great that you're out there because, as I mentioned, the family is always under attack. And um, it's nice 
to know that there are resources out there to try to combat this, which sort of gets to how I met you in the first place. Right. And uh, I actually haven't physically met you. We don't physically meet people anymore, but I guess uh, <laughs> that'll um, happen pretty soon. But I, I did meet you on a Zoom meeting a couple of months ago. And the reason for that was, again, as you mentioned, the people don't know what's going on out there regarding sex education, and they like to fly under the radar mm-hmm. and not let anybody know what's going on, including parents. This came up recently with the Worcester Public Schools. And uh, because of my connections uh, in the past with Mass Family Institute, I learned about this and learned that you were organizing to have parents uh, speak to the school committee of the Worcester Public Schools. So that's that's how I met you online and on a Zoom meeting, and I was very impressed with your organization and and, uh, raising awareness of this. I wonder if you could say a little bit about how you became aware of what was going on in the Worcester Public Schools and um, what they're trying to do as far as comprehensive sexuality education is concerned and um, how you tried to uh, organize people to intervene in that issue. Yeah, so the sex ed debate has been going on in Worcester for several years now, and MFI first got involved a few years ago, um, and they worked along with a group of parents who were very concerned. Um, They showed up to a school committee meeting, and they read excerpts right from a C, what's called a Comprehensive Sexuality Education Curriculum, Mm -hmm. so CSE for short. And so they read excerpts from the CSE curriculum right into the public record during the school committee meeting, Mm -hmm. and some of the content was so alarming and so inappropriate that that was really enough to um, put the brakes on implementing this kind of curriculum Mm -hmm. in the Worcester schools. So bravo to those parents who led that effort. About 75 parents or so showed up. So that was a victory. But those working behind the scenes who have been very intent in inserting a CSC model of sex ed in the Worcester schools did not back off of their efforts. So they just kind of doubled down and continued their efforts behind the scenes to implement a CSC program. So there was the formation of the WISH task force, which um, Worcester Impact for Sexual Health, Mm -hmm. um, which was a group made up of various different um, community groups and organizations, including Planned Parenthood. So they got busy enlisting and lobbying city officials. Mm-hmm. They met um, behind the scenes with the mayor. They also enlisted the you know various doctors and educators and activist organizations mm-hmm. to pull together a, you know a very comprehensive strategy to reintroduce the idea of CSE a couple of years later. So that brings us to just the Worcester series of school committee meetings that just happened over the last couple of months here in 2021. So, you know, in that time, um, I started doing also some deep research Mm -hmm. um, and evaluating the different uh, curriculum that they were considering. 
and, um, you know, providing that information to parents and to pastors and other concerned stakeholders in the city of Worcester. So it really kind of um, became another showdown of sorts Mm -hmm. um, at the school committee meetings. And it became very clear um, even at the first school committee meeting, which was in April, mm-hmm. um, the choice of curriculum came before just a subcommittee of the school committee, the standing committee for teaching, learning and student support. Um, it was, you know, became very clear then that those on the school committee member who were not in favor of this model were outnumbered by mm-hmm. those who were in favor. And so... Um, You know, we continued our efforts with um, just helping equip community members to address the issue. Really wonderful group of parents were Mm -hmm. walking the streets of Worcester, passing out flyers to get the information out there. Pastors were sharing information with their congregations. And even the Catholic Church and the evangelicals were all working together Mm -hmm. on this and uh, parent groups. And so it was really just a wonderful effort. Um, But unfortunately, even though on one of the school committee meetings in this series of meetings, about 60% of the parents who showed up to testify at this meeting were um, against this model of education. But shockingly, the elected officials of the school committee, school officials, decided that they would not obey the will of the people mm-hmm. or the parents, mm-hmm. that they would instead, you know, deliver to these special interest groups. Yes. Yep. So, you know, really, really alarming yeah. on so many levels. So, unfortunately, at the final school committee meeting, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, when the choice of curriculum went before the full school committee, mm-hmm. it was voted, they voted in favor of implementing a CSE curriculum called the three R's, rights, mm-hmm. respect, and responsibility. And um, so it was a five to two vote. Yep. And they could not have picked a worse curriculum. Yeah. So of all the curriculum that I have evaluated, the three R's is one of the most extreme and yeah. the worst, yeah. particularly because it begins in kindergarten. Yeah. And so the um, Worcester School officials will now be teaching sex education starting in kindergarten. Yeah, it's very disturbing. Very disturbing indeed. This concludes part one of my conversation with Mary Ellen Siegler. Tune in next time to hear more about the ideological colonization regarding sexuality education that the Worcester School Committee has planned for the city of Worcester. Indeed, this hypersexualized gender confusion curriculum is spreading throughout the Commonwealth and threatens the very fabric of the family. Until next time, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect, and at the very least, we should first do no harm. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rollo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 
978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first, do no harm.